الحمد لله وكفى وسلام على عباده الذين اصطفى أما بعد فأعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم والذين جاهدوا فينا لنهدينهم سبولنا سبحان ربك رب العزة عما يصفون وسلام على المرسلين والحمد لله رب العالمين اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد وعلى آل سيدنا محمد وبارك وسلم اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد وعلى آل سيدنا محمد وبارك وسلم اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد وعلى آل سيدنا محمد وبارك وسلم Many years ago I was at Umrah with my teacher and there was a group of us that had gone and it was a very difficult Umrah for me so we had started off in Mecca Mukarramah and while I was there I had gone by myself so it's not like I had my family with me I felt like I wasn't able to achieve most of the goals that I had set in place for myself so I had goals of how much Quran I wanted to read I had goals of how much Salah I wanted to pray I had goals of how much Ibadah I wanted to do how many Tawafs I wanted to perform and I felt that I wasn't able to meet any of those goals. So this was the trip. So I felt pretty down about it. Then eventually we had moved from Makkah Mukarramah to Medina. And there in Medina I started feeling sick. So then I thought this was where I was going to exert myself. I had all this built like back, I was already falling behind and I thought that this would be my opportunity to pick up speed because it uses, there's more free time in general when you're in Medina versus when you're in Mecca there's a lot more responsibilities there's Umrah there's Tawaf so you can't do the additional things that you'd like to do so I got sick and then I thought okay well how am I going to make up there's no way Is it, can you hear in the back okay it, um I thought, how can I, how can I make this up? Now I'm sick. So anyways, some time had gone by while we were still in Medina Munawwara. And I hadn't made progress. So now I was becoming, I was very saddened by this. So we had given ziyara. We had gone for ziyara. And we said salam to the Prophet wasallam. And when you walk out of the masjid, our hotels were on the side where the opposite side of the qibla. So it's a long walk around the you could say the east side of the masjid, so the left side of the masjid if you're facing the qibla. So we'd walked out, given ziyarah to the Prophet and then we started walking back toward our hotel. There was a group of us, a very small group, two, three, four people, and our teacher was with us. So it was a beautiful walk. It was like very, uh, it was like breezy. It was like a Medina night in the, and it was warm. It was a beautiful walk quiet, peaceful, you know, the way Medina, Munawara is. If you've experienced it, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And so I thought to myself that, you know what, I need to bring this up to him. I can't let this Umrah end, and I don't let him know that I'm struggling with this. So I was thinking, should I say it, should I not, should I bring it up, should I not? He's going to say to me, like, how could you not have succeeded? I mean, you came by yourself. My I, my son was just born that time. Uh, my wife wasn't able to come because he was just born. I had no responsibilities. So I was thinking, if I tell him, what is he going to think of me? I mean, 
he's here with his family, other people are there with their families, and they're probably doing all of these great things, and I'm just falling behind. But anyways, I mustered up the courage, and I said, you know what, I'm going to ask. So we were walking back from the hotel, and he was telling us some stories, and then right when we had gotten back, I'm, I'm thinking about this the whole walk back, and when we got back, we were about to get into the elevator for the hotel, so I told him, I said, you know, I don't know what it is, but since I've been here, I have not been able to do what I've been wanting to do. I haven't met any of my goals. I wanted to read this much Quran. I wanted to pray this much Salah. I wanted to do this much Ibadah. But I haven't been able to do any of these things. So we got inside the elevator, and then he looked at me, and he said, he said, you know what? He said, we're not here to show our strength. We're here to show our weakness. He said, you're not here to show your strength. You're here to show your weakness. Meaning my mindset the entire time was that while I'm in such a special place, while I'm in such special company, I should be able to achieve very lofty goals that I've set for myself. And if I can't do it here, then where am I going to do it? But his approach was, you're in such an amazing place. You're with such good company. You are, uh, uh, you are by yourself. If you can't achieve your goals even with the perfect circumstance, that just shows how weak you truly are. And anyone that comes to this sacred space must do exactly that. Accept that they're weak and show Allah their weakness rather than try to show Allah Ta'ala their strength. Because no matter how strong we may think we are, we're never strong enough for Allah compared to Allah. So that really got me thinking. I said, I have this wrong. My whole mindset is incorrect. I've been thinking that I'm in such a special place. I'm in such special company. Uh, I'm, I have so much special time that I should be showing Allah, Ya Allah, look at all these great things I've done. I'm deserving of your Jannah. I'm deserving of your forgiveness. But he was telling me, and it then later dawned upon me that my attitude should have been, Ya Allah, you gave me the perfect circumstance. I'm in such a special place. I'm in such special company. I have so much free time. Despite having all of this, I'm still not able to impress you, Ya Allah. Look how weak I am. If I don't have your help and your support, there's no way I can succeed. If I don't have your help and your support, there's no way I can succeed, Ya Allah. This is how weak I am. I am your handicapped servant. And if I don't, uh, if you don't accept me for this, then I'm doomed. Now we, because we live in a society that's so competitive, this is, our, our mindset is based off of this. You want to get into good college, what happens? You have to get a solid GPA. They'll ask you, what was your GPA? It's all based on accolades. What was your GPA? What was your ACT score? How many places did you volunteer? What clubs were you involved in? Does your resume, is your resume good enough for our school? 
yes, it's good enough, you're in. No, it's not good enough, you're out. You want to get into medical school. What's your MCAT score? How many places have you done research? How many publications do you have? What, are your, what shadowing experience do you have? What, uh, what was your science GPA? If it meets the standards, then they say, you know what, you're good enough, you're now accepted. You apply for your first job, and they look, where did you go to school? What university did you graduate from? What, did you re what degrees did you uh, acquire and attain? What were your prior experiences? Oh, you're good enough. Now you're in. This is what we're accustomed to. That for me to be accepted, I need to be good enough. My scores need to be good enough. My experiences need to be good enough. I need to be the best. And I need to show people that I'm the best. But in our relationship with Allah, we don't try to show him that we are the best. On the other hand, if we want to succeed, we have to tell him and show him and display to him that we're actually the worst. And this isn't just our attitude in this life. This is the key to success in this life. It's in fact the key to success on the Day of Judgment. If we take the approach on the Day of Judgment, when Allah Ta'ala asks us, did we do this, did we do this, did we do this, and we say, Ya Allah, no I didn't, and we challenge our Lord, then we're doomed. But if we accept, then we may succeed. There's a hadith in Tirmidhi and Ibn Majah, where Abdullah bin Amr radiallahu anhum, narrated the Messenger of Allah وسلم, said, on Day of Judgment, Allah Ta'ala will bring a person from amongst the followers of the Prophet and from his ummah. And it'll be in the presence of all beings. And this person will have transgressed against Allah Ta'ala to such a degree that there will be 99 volumes of texts written that contain all of his transgression against Allah. And each of those volumes is so vast that it's as far as the eye can see. Each individual volume. And there's 99 of these. 99 volumes, each one as far as the eye can see, that are filled with this person's transgression against Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So then Allah ta'ala will ask, do you deny anything that are in, that's in these books? Do you deny anything? And Allah ta'ala will ask, is it possible that our angels made a mistake in recording these sins and these mistakes? Is it possible that we made a mistake? So the person will say, La, Ya Rab, no, Ya Rab. I accept. I'm guilty. That's charged. Allah Ta'ala will ask, Then, do you have any excuses for what you did? Do you have any defense? So the person will respond and say, La ya Rab. Nope. I have no excuses. I'm exactly who I am. This is me. This is me. I'm I have nothing to show. So the hadith says that it will continue to go on like this. Meaning Allah Ta'ala will continue to question this per question this person. And everyone that's present there will begin to think that, you know what, he's done. She's done. They don't stand a chance. How could it be that you have 99 volumes worth of sin and each individual volume 
it collects information from your life and each of those is as far and wide as the eye can see and the people around will begin to think wow this person's done and on top of that when Allah Ta'ala is asking this person is it uh, is it possible that we made a mistake is there something wrong the person says no actually everything in there is absolutely correct exactly what you see is there is exactly exactly what you see there is exactly what I did exactly the description of me that's in those books is exactly who I am and then on top of that, Allah Ta'ala gives another chance and says, well, do you have any excuses? Maybe there's something that you, uh, that you is there a way you can defend yourself, right? Is this, do you have some excuse for what you did and why you did it? You know, maybe there's some, something. And the person will still say, no, Ya Rab. And the questioning will continue. And Allah Ta'ala will continue to ask, but maybe this, maybe this. And the person will say, no, Ya Rab, no, this is it. This is me. This is me. I'm just your weak servant. And I have nothing to show. So everyone will begin to think, even that person, that you know what, I'm done. And then Allah Ta'ala will tell that person that, hold on, there's something to show. So Allah Ta'ala will take out, he'll have this sheet of paper, just be a little sheet of paper. And he'll say, go to the scales where your deeds will be weighed. So the person will say, but it's just a sheet of paper. I have 99 volumes, each volume that's as far as I can see. You can only imagine what the weight of that must be. I don't stand a chance. And Allah Ta'ala says, you will not be wronged on this day. Just go. So all of those persons' deeds will be placed, sins, you can say, transgressions will be placed on one side of the scale. And then on the other side of the scale, the sheet of paper will be placed. And on that sheet of paper, it'll say, Ashhadu an la ilaha illallah wa ashhadu anna Muhammadan abduhu wa rasuluhu. This is that person's iman. This is that person's iman. So that will be placed on the scale and it will outweigh the 99 volumes of transgression this person had, had done. The attitude of this person, even on the day of judgment, when we're so desperately in need of whatever help and support we can get, is that, Ya Allah, I am your weak servant. I am yours. I am yours. I have nothing to show. And that should be our attitude in this world as well. Now, Ramadan is the perfect circumstance. If a person is going to be able to demonstrate their strength, it's going to be in Ramadan. If I'm going to be able to accomplish my goals of reciting Qur'an, it's going to be in Ramadan. If I'm going to have these lofty goals that I'm going to pray so much nawafil, it's going to be in Ramadan. That I'm going to do this much ibadah, it's going to be in Ramadan. If there's a time in my life where I'm going to be able to leave those sins that I'm plagued with, it's going to be in Ramadan. Because the circumstance is so perfect. Because shayateen are locked up. Because the barakah and mercy of Allah descend. Because the community as a whole is striving. The system is perfect. It's a perfect system. So if we were to be able to show anything to Allah, it should be now. But the reality is we look back at our Ramadan and say, where did it go? What was I doing? I should have been spending more time. I should have focused. I should have put away my distractions. I should have done more than I've been able to do. Now when these thoughts go through the mind of the believer and they go through everyone's mind, you have two approaches. One is that we can say, that, you know what, what I did, I did, and I'm going to now show this off to my Lord in hopes that it will impress him. The other approach is that, you know what, I can either try to progress through my deeds, but the reality is 
no one will be successful based off of just their deeds. In fact, the Prophet ﷺ won't be successful based off of his deeds. When the Prophet ﷺ told the companions that none of you will enter Jannah until... Uh, sorry, none of you will enter Jannah except by Allah Ta'ala's mercy. Meaning it's not going to be your deed. It's not going to be your successes in life, quote unquote, that'll get your acceptance in. So the Sahaba reflexively asked, none of us? How about you, Ya Rasulullah? You're the most perfect human being in the most perfect form, who performed the most perfect deeds, who is the ex- exemplary for all of us. Ya Rasulullah, at least you should be accepted into Jannah because of the deeds that you performed and because of your strengths. And so the Prophet will respond and say, no, not even me, even I'm dependent on Allah Ta'ala's mercy. So if the Prophet is dependent upon Allah's mercy, then what about us? In Ramadan, where we're supposed to be able to show Allah Ta'ala all of the great things we've done, but in reality we have nothing to show. So what, is, what are the deeds to Allah ultimately anyway? They don't increase Allah's value in any way. So our approach is that we aim to progress and be accepted by Allah through our weakness, not through our strength. If we want to progress in our relationship with Allah, it's going to be through showing Allah Ta'ala our weaknesses, not our strengths. If we are going to be forgiven in these last few days of Ramadan or in these last few nights of Ramadan, it's not by showing off to Allah and defending why we didn't have the Ramadan that we should have had and making excuses for why we continued those habits that we shouldn't have continued or thinking about all of those great things that we may or may not have done. It's going to be by lowering our heads before Allah and saying, Ya Allah, I'm so weak that even in the most perfect month that you created for me to succeed, I still failed. Even in this perfect circumstance that you created for the believers to be forgiven and accepted, Ya Allah, despite that, I still failed. If I'm not deserving of your mercy, Ya Allah, then who is? If I'm, if I'm not the most in need of your mercy, Ya Allah, then who is? Ya Allah, do I have any excuses? None. And ya Allah, is there a possibility that there is a mistake in the setup of Ramadan and Ertikaf and the last thing? Nope, none. Is there a possibility that nothing? I'm nothing before my Allah, and the only way I am, the, and the more I, the more I appreciate that, and the more I'm willing to accept it, the more likely it is that Allah Taala is going to accept us, because this is the point to keep in mind, that when it comes to impressing Allah Taala, it's not based off of our accolades, just like we operate in this world. When it comes to impressing Allah Ta'ala, it isn't based off of our successes. It isn't based off of our grades or our scores or the number of deeds we performed or the number of heights that we climbed. No. It's simple. It's the simple effort that we put forth and the attitude that we take with Allah that Allah Ta'ala appreciates the most. My attitude is that, Ya Allah, I'm a great servant of yours. Look at all these great things that I did, Ya Allah. Versus, if our attitude is, Ya Allah, I'm such a weak servant of yours that despite the most perfect system and the most perfect circumstance, I still failed, Ya Allah. I am your weak servant. I'm so appreciative of all the circumstances you've given me. I'm so appreciative that you've kept me in your shade when I wasn't deserving. Allah Ta'ala appreciates that. 
he appreciates it. So we, during these last couple of days, show Allah Ta'ala our weakness. We humble ourselves before Him. We beg for Him, for His forgiveness and His mercy. And we make no excuses in the process. We just accept. Guilty as charged. We just accept. As we mentioned before, the person who's successful in the court of Allah Ta'ala is the person who pleads guilty, not the person who pleads innocent. We can't plead innocent. How could we plead innocent before Allah? How could we? There's no way. He's so perfect. He's perfect in every way, shape, or form. He's deserving of ibadah, the likes of which the Prophet made to him, not the likes of which this filthy servant is, has done toward him. Right? He's deserving of the worship that the Sahaba would perform. Right? Nights away. Not deserving of whatever we have to offer him. But he appreciates us. He appreciates any little effort that he makes, that we make, and he appreciates and we accept that we are nothing. So now's the time to accept that, Ya Allah, we're weak. Ya Allah, you know how weak we are. You know us better than we even know ourselves, Ya Allah. So please accept me. I am not deserving of your mercy. I'm not deserving of your forgiveness. But it is for that purpose, Ya Allah, that I ask from you because your ability to forgive and your ability to demonstrate mercy is far superior than my ability to sin. Your ability to forgive is far superior than my ability to sin. Ya Allah, why not make me an example of your mercy? Why not make me an example of your mercy? Because I'm the least deserving, Ya Allah, because I am, have nothing to show, Ya Allah, if you were to shower your mercy upon me, then that would, that would show how great your mercy really is. So we ask that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, forgive us and accept us uh, on these blessed nights. We ask that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us the tawfiq to recognize how weak we truly are in comparison to Him. We ask that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala forgive us for all of our mistakes and make us from amongst those who are freed from the fire of hell during this month.